Do, do, do. I love that that's the way you begin all of these. <laughs> Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. You know, so we, in our last two episodes, I feel like rather than Valentine's Day, we did talk about Jess of Fairmont on that. But in the two episodes prior to that, we talked a lot about Jess showing up at Rory's grandparents with his book and everything that happened after that. We did. We never actually really talked about Jess's book itself. The Subsect by Jess Mariano. Mm. If you Google what the subsect means... It's really funny because a lot of the times like dictionary.com or Webster, they'll like ask you why you're looking this word up or like what made you come across this word. And every single one of them say says Gilmore Girls, which really, yeah, which is really funny to me. Oh, I love that. But Jess's book, The Subsect by Jess Mariano, which like actually given the like when you see the physical copy of it, it looks more like a novella than anything. It's really mm. short. It's very short. Yeah. Don't tell Logan. I know. <laughs> Don't tell Logan. <laughs> <laughs> that's really why Jess didn't want to admit it because it was short I posed this question on our Instagram was what do you think Jess's book was about mm. because a lot of people want to know I want to know what Jess's book is about I would love to read it and the answers are really funny but a lot of them were pretty much the same that it would be like a coming of age novel from the point of view of like a young man or it would be dystopian but it would be really deep someone called it Catcher in the Ride the Squeakle which <laughs> yes just... Lindsay said that I loved that <laughs> I've thought about that like every day since then and it's made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Jess. It's not that hard to like see who inspired him to be a writer mm -hmm. and kind of get a sense of what it was. So then the question that I have for you is not necessarily about what the book is about. It's more of Jess's intention when he brought the book to Rory because he came there under the pretenses of showing her this book. Mm -hmm. And was it because Rory was someone who early on in his life was someone who really believed in him, who believed he was not just someone who was going to like fuck up his life and that he was meant for bigger things. And here he was feeling like he had done something that was maybe worthy of that sort of, that he finally felt worthy of that belief that she had in him. And here he was bringing this book, which is what he thought to be what she was believing he could do all along and he wanted to show her mm. or which is my question that I really have do you think that that book is in some way about Rory Gilmore oh do you think that there's maybe like a dedication page that's vaguely dedicating the book to her do you think there's a character in it that's inspired by Rory Gilmore or which is my opinion that the thought process of the character in the book is a little bit of an apology tour excuse explanation to Rory about why Jess felt the way he did about so many things mm. but the only person that would really know that that's the case when they read it would be Rory interesting that's a really interesting question I've never thought about that I wouldn't put it past him for sure um I always really thought that it was the former I, I always thought that it was that a it situation was because... where he yeah he just wanted to come to her and just say like hey I wrote this book and yeah. I know that you're someone who always believed in me and of course maybe to impress her a little bit maybe to show her like hey I've changed yeah maybe there was a little bit of air of that air to that as well do you think that part of the reason he wanted to write a book was to impress Rory to like have something to bring back to her and be like look I'm you're right I did this do you think he had her in mind yeah I would not be surprised by that I just feel like she ended up in that book in some way or another I wouldn't be surprised by that either that whole idea came to me because there's a Instagram account called still in stars hollow which has great content if you want to go follow that and really great content the girl who runs the account her name is also Haley and on her stories she posed a idea that I had never really considered before which made me start thinking about whether or not Jess had written Rory into his book was that Jess is actually the one that's romanticizing Rory. That we spend a lot of time romanticizing Jess and our perception of Jess and the relationship that they have. But was Jess the one who was actually romanticizing Rory? Was Rory all of these things that he thought she was? When he's standing outside the bar yelling at her, why did you drop out of Yale? I know you better than anyone. Did he actually know her? This idea that he has of her, is it just who he thought that the two of them could have been together? Yeah. 
I remember you sending that to me when she posed that question and I was like, whoa, because it, yeah. it's such an interesting turn of events. He's the one romanticizing her. Meanwhile, we're romanticizing him as an audience. Exactly. That's so true. And to be totally transparent with you, I feel like that happens with a lot of the characters on the show. Everybody romanticizes Rory Gilmore. Yeah. Everybody. And I, I feel like after she said that, I felt it the most clearly with Jess because they were so much of the time like a what if and mm -hmm. we as an audience are kind of left to like fill in the gaps that maybe Jess was doing that too and like the fact that Jess even like left and then came back to show her his book really shows that like he maybe had an idea about her that wasn't quite true. I really want to quote Taylor Swift here and just like the idea you had of me who was she an ever needy ever lovely jewel who shine reflects on you. Okay. That's what I keep thinking about here. Yeah. And it's like is that who he thought she was like this did he have like a different perception of her than who she actually was who we saw her as that he never found anyone else and he was still hung up on Rory Gilmore yeah it's very fascinating because I feel like what ifs are always romanticized like if you don't get a chance to really live out that relationship with that person oh yeah oh it can be really easy to put them on a pedestal I'm gonna write fan fiction about my own life <laughs> oh yeah because you're constantly drawing from all of the really happy memories especially when you're the one to sort of quote-unquote mess up yeah in the way that we feel like Jess sort of messed up that relationship by abandoning it and leaving without saying goodbye. I mean, I'm sure he romanticized a lot of the relationship. He probably holds her in a much higher regard than maybe she is deserving of because when you're the person that messes up, you are always going to feel like the person who ruined things and that the other person might not have contributed to it when in reality mm -hmm. they likely did. And I think that that raises a very interesting point to all of Rory's relationships. We spoke in the last episode to the reality that everybody is in love with this girl, like at yeah. all, all the varying stages of her life. Yeah. All the guys who fall for Rory Gilmore fall hard and they fall fast. And they stay falling. <laughs> they, they are on the ground. <laughs> they have fallen and they cannot get up. They are glued <laughs> to the floor and we don't know why. It's very, very interesting to me. And I actually want to pose that question to you as a person who really loves the character of Rory Gilmore. And I know you know. I know. You kind of stand not alone in that, but there are a lot of people in the fandom that really don't like her. Yeah. And as they've grown, they've really zeroed in on her flaws. And I sort of, I, can, I feel like I can sort of compare that to the way that I see Dean now. Yeah. Like as an adult woman, I'm like, oh, growing up, I always thought he was so wonderful. And now that I'm an adult and I can sort of zoom out, I'm looking at all of the things he did, like the little nuances of who he is that are actually quite toxic. And I think people have done that within the fandom with Rory Gilmore's character because she yeah. was always, she always exemplified like the golden child in the same way that Dean was supposed to be the exemplary good guy. Yeah. And so people have really, really framed her now as more of the villain of her own story. Yeah. When I said that she was my favorite character on TikTok, the amount of comments that I got that I needed to go to therapy. <gasps> okay, everybody. Eat a snack. You can't comment red flag on my account anymore after that video because I got hundreds of comments of literally just red flags and it started to hurt my feelings. So I was like, that's over. Yeah, no. <laughs> go try. Go try and comment red flag on my account. <laughs> you can't. Do it. Try you it. Can't. What I want to pose is this question of why, as someone who loves this character so much as you do, yeah. why do you think these men <laughs> are falling all over themselves and onto the ground and glued to the floor over this girl? You know, like, I feel like <laughs> as someone who loves Rory Gilmore, I really do. She genuinely is my favorite character. I feel like it's one of those things, like, my first instinct will always be to roast her, you know, and, like, roast the way that the boys, like, literally just fall at her feet from, like, so many of them it's the moment they see her like the first sort of day that they're with her they fall for her yeah that's sort of true of pretty much every relationship she's ever been yeah, in right? except for logan i mean logan didn't even really remember her that first time the second time when he does remember her he's really intrigued by her Ooh, very smitten he's like okay leave my number yeah <laughs> also marty Marty is the other one that like when he meets her he's so hammered and he's clearly naked in the hallway but like when he sees her in the cafeteria yeah. you can tell he's very enamored by her 
And the other one that we haven't talked about is Tristan. Tristan literally walks into class late and sees Rory for the first time. And he's like, hello, Mary. Mary. (laughs) He's so into her. And so, like, my first, like, instinct is always, like, to make fun of that. Because what is it about this girl that, like, all of these boys just stay in love with after they've fallen for her for the first time because it's not like these boys are falling in love with her and they have a relationship with her and then it's kind of over if they get into a relationship with this girl it like keeps coming back to bite them it's dean falling in love with her getting back together with her in season four and five leaving his wife for her still being in love with her the night before his wedding and ultimately it not working out like they didn't even stay together after she cheated on him she left him for another guy and he still was like i'm in love with this girl yeah and then but with jess he he ultimately left but then he kept coming back to say i love you to run away with me to show her the book and then ultimately like we talked about a couple episodes ago was that look through the window in the revival really Mm -hmm. showed that he was still had a ton of feelings and then of course we know logan like proposed to her if we want to consider that canon or not Mm -hmm. he did propose to her in season seven but then he comes back and he can't quit her my instinct is to just like make fun of that but if you look at this girl i would say she's fairly interesting like she's really pretty she has these like bright blue eyes so like they're really drawn to her because she's a pretty girl and it's not just that like rory's really interesting she reads a lot of books which is like the part that everyone i feel like always like zeroes in on like they just fall in love with this girl who likes to read like (laughs) yeah that's that's kind of true if that was the case i would have a hundred boyfriends right now (laughs) very true i know a lot of girls who read who do not have men falling all over them like rory gilmore does and she's really witty she's got like that lorelei in her she does have like that vibe which like is where I like can't quite figure out where to draw the line of like she's not like other girls where she's really pretty but she you know she reads she's really intellectual but I think that that's like one of the biggest qualities about her that separates her from a lot of people is how much she cares about her education of course she reads but that makes her well read in the sense that she's a bit more mature than maybe say the other people that she goes to school with so it's less about the simplicity of women and it's more about the just just her being a little bit ahead of her time in that regard and also like you brought up being Lorelai's daughter and Lorelai not being as necessarily well read but being very immersed in pop culture and immersing Rory in that And the thing about Rory that people don't really, like, talk about is, like, oh, Rory's smart. Like, she's well-read. She's into school. She's being framed, like, from the very beginning as being ridiculously smart. Like, she started reading, like, when she was, like, two or three. From the very beginning of, like, her life from the show is framed as, like, she was kind of, like, a kid genius. In addition to that, it's not even so much how naturally smart she is. It's that she's so interested by it. She's a very curious person. Very curious. She likes to learn. She loves school. That's why I think, you know, Jess, Logan, her mom, they're all looking at her when she drops out of Yale. And it's like, it's not that it's her only personality trait. It is a little bit. But it's that she <laughs> loves it. It's not like people can be smart and they know they're smart and they're like, okay, I'm smart. So I apply myself. School is easy. Whatever. It's kind of like the way we see Jess, you know, how he totally fails at school, even though he's so smart and so capable. Yeah. It's less about that. It's that Rory was so invested in school and invested in her education and invested in learning more. So the tables have turned. You're the one that's defending Rory when I'm the one that's making fun oh, of no. her. Oh, <laughs> no, we're going to roast her. I'm just here to, you know, like even out Devil's the playing advocate. field. Yeah, um, because I think it's really fascinating to explore that because people don't really, in my opinion, I don't think the fandom really goes deep into Rory's character. They look at the surface yeah. of who she is. They look at the surface of the choices she's made. And then I do think that they automatically go, Rory. Rory is a sucky person. And I'm like, okay, I hear where you're coming from. But I do think that there's way more, I'll I'll speak to both sides of this. There are a lot of different nuances of Rory's character that make her much more fascinating than I think people want to give her credit for. And there are a lot of nuanced ways in which I feel like she is not a good partner that go beyond just like she's kissing boys when she has a boyfriend or she's sleeping with a married man. I think it's like really easy to look to those, but there's so many other points of like Rory as like a partner that just like don't to me like screams like she's not meant for a relationship beyond the fact that she's kissing other boys when she has a boyfriend let's get into it i I would love to hear your thoughts on that do we want to go in order 
Let's just go in order. Yeah. In order of appearance of her relationships. Okay. So let's start with Dean. We've already talked about her relationship with Dean enough, so we don't really need to get into like the nitty gritty of it all. But I will say from her side of it, one of the moments that I felt that she really was not a good partner beyond like the really easy ones of like she went to visit Jess in New York rather than going to Lorelai's graduation. She kissed Jess at Suki's wedding. For me, the biggest one was after her and Dean broke up and she was not with Jess. One of the most selfish things that Rory did was climb up the tree outside Dean's house and knock on his window to talk to him and tell him not to hate her. Oh, yeah. Like, that moment to me, like, screamed to me that, like, why why would you do that? Why would you go to someone when you know they're clearly hurt because they just yelled at you how much they were hurt by this and go up to them and make sure that they're okay by saying, don't hate me. Don't let your mom hate me or, like, your sister hate me or, like, they're going to hate me now. Yeah. And her concern in that moment was totally herself. I like being seen as this, like, good person that people like. Everyone likes that. But the best thing for him right now is probably for not for me to go and knock on his window and tell him not to hate me. It's probably to give him some space from the fact that I now have a new boyfriend. Yeah. And every time that comes up, I'm like, what what relationship was she in with Dean that she comes away from this? Like, that she needs to make sure that she comes away as the good guy. Well, she also sort of did that the first time they broke up. Because, don't get me wrong, I thought it was really extreme that Dean broke up with her in the way that he did the first time when she doesn't say I love you back he doesn't really give her a moment to process he just expects her to say it and I do think that there were a lot of toxic qualities in that but obviously if someone says I love you and you don't say it back clearly you're not on the same page and that is a means to an end especially when you're 16 yeah or you can work through it but yeah and and for Dean it was an all-or-nothing situation however she let her mother and the entire town think that this guy had hurt her because she didn't tell anybody that the reason they broke up is because he said, I love you, and she didn't say it back. She let that go on for episodes, which felt like an eternity. Luke and Dean fought in the street. <laughs> yeah, and she didn't once say, like, not that it was her fault. Like, if she can't say I love you, that's something she's got to work out in therapy or with her mom. But, like, yes, he threw a tantrum and was like, I got to go because you don't love me. And I thought that that was a little extreme. But, again, a 16-year-old boy. Drama. Yeah, <laughs> come on, the drama, Dean. But I think that he's... He was in his right to say, like, okay, we're not on the same page. And she let everybody think that he had done something to her. Yeah. That he had done something to hurt her. Because that that episode in the breakup part two after they break up and they're in the diner at, like, six in the morning. And people already know. Miss Patty already knows. Kirk is going up yeah. to her being like, I never liked him. And like you said, Luke is finding him in the street. And Rory says nothing. Yeah. And that's because that truly to me is because I really, really think that she wanted to be framed in that way. But what's interesting, and I don't want to jump the gun here, is that she does the complete opposite with Jess. With Jess, like not necessarily when they broke up, but when he left town the first time because he crashed her car, she's looking around at everybody going like, why did, why is everybody- Why is everyone mad at Jess? Why is nobody mad at me? Why is everybody framing me as this like goody goody? And I just wanted to be like, baby girl, because you framed yourself as a goody goody. You bought the picture frame. <laughs> you literally, you bought it <laughs> and you put it around yourself. Yeah. So people see you like that. And to be fair, you know, people in her life had done that her entire life and informed the way that she behaved. So I, I really don't put all of that on her. But it's not like we never watched her do that to herself before. She was seen as like the town, you know, like little angel girl. She's an angel. Yeah. yeah. And she could do no wrong. And she used that to her advantage. And I'm not saying she was like manipulative, but like she's 16 and like you can use that how you see fit then. Yeah. But those are sort of the ways, like the little nuanced ways that I don't feel are talked about enough when it comes to Dean and their relationship the first time. But like I would say like the first time she and Dean are together, what do you think of her as a partner? Like I think it's really hard to assess. So hard to assess. It's her first boyfriend. 
as we've spoken to in the past, everybody's framing this as like, you should feel so lucky that you have this beautiful, kind, attentive, tall, very tall man who changes a mean water bottle as your boyfriend. And yeah, he was, he was doting and protective. Yeah. And then to that end, some of the ways in which she interacted with Tristan, in my opinion, were also unfair to Dean. One of the ones that really bothers me is in Runaway Little Boy, which is the last episode that we see Tristan in. Yeah. When they are doing the skit for Romeo and Juliet, and he breaks into um, Duncan's dad's safe. safe, (laughs) And he gets sent off to military school. That was the weirdest thing. In North Carolina. Yeah. Because he was going to Dawson's Creek. Yes. Yes. And then to One Tree Hill. So they framed it that he was going to North Carolina because Dawson's Creek was filmed in North Carolina. Yes. What I thought was so cringy about, we'll get into Rory and Tristan's relationship, but what I felt was really cringy about that moment, and in my opinion, a little unfair to Dean, was that he's saying goodbye to her and, you know, she's like, where are you going? Why are you leaving? Why did you do this? And they're standing near like 20 feet away from Dean and Tristan looks at her and goes, I'd kiss you goodbye, but your boyfriend's watching. And she looks over and looks back at him and he goes, take care of yourself, Mary. And she smiles. And I was like, ew. First of all, if someone looked at me and was like, I'd kiss you, but your boyfriend's right there. I'd be like, yeah. And I wouldn't let you kiss me even if he wasn't standing there. Do we see that as like him trying to be like that cutesy, like smooth talker that Tristan was? I guess. I was never, like, a huge fan of him because, like, we really should be past the point of, like, boys pulling on your pigtails means he likes you. Ugh, totally. Tristan was, of course, like, in all ways Logan Jr., just, like, in, like, the way that he talked to her and, like, the way that he kind of, like, could, you know, smooth talk to her. Like, one of my favorite Tristan lines is when she's standing in line getting tickets for the dance and she's reading a book and he says, oh, you're reading again, how novel. And, like, that's, like, a funny... It's a funny aside, Tristan, but then he acknowledges that it's funny because he was like, do you get it? Novel? Because you're yeah. reading. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. And so it's like, he is a bit of a smooth talker. Like, would he have actually kissed her? Did he actually want to kiss her? Did she? Did he know that she didn't really want to be kissed? Like, It's less that. It's more that when he was like, take care of yourself, Mary, the way she smiles makes me like want to punch her every time because i'm like why would you smile at that you yeah. hated that he called you that like it ugh, it just it always makes me cringe it's kind of the vibe of like a man's going off to war and the woman seeing him off doesn't really like him but she doesn't want him to come she wants him to come back alive so yeah. she's like giving him like this last little moment <laughs> i just hated that she like she sort of like smiled and laughed at it like it was a compliment i was like ugh, yuck. it's like he literally called you mary because you looked virginal yeah Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. 
And if you dream of being cowgirls like us, or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it, and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. So let's talk about that. The first time he sees her, he is like, like so cartoon obsessed. character eyes just like, yeah bulging out of his face that one makes the most sense to me why he was like immediately drawn to her because she's the new girl at school he's the bad boy she immediately seems like this just like really innocent girl but obviously has to be really smart because she's starting at chilton in the middle of the year Mm -hmm. so i think that he immediately was like i've worn out all the other girls here let's see what you have to offer me yeah it was i think it was a bit of a challenge because he was so intrigued by her and intrigued by how innocent she looked which is so gross in hindsight which is so gross i hated that i said virginal before (laughs) (laughs) i know what a word but yeah he was immediately drawn to her and i do think saw her as sort of a challenge especially once he saw that the advances he was making towards her were not going were not reciprocated didn't mean anything yeah and I do think that that makes her a bit of an intriguing character. She was not really like, smooth-talked into anything with him. No. And I do think that she was a little intrigued by him because obviously fueled by that and fueled by sadness, she kisses him she at kisses him. the party. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people like to romanticize that relationship, and I've, I've seen a lot of comments from people saying like, So many people are Team, team Tristan. Tristan. And I'm like, there's a team, Tristan? Yeah. I have not thought about that boy in a long Talk time. Talk about a team full of potential. That, team yeah. romanticizing the potential of them. But what potential? I never even saw potential within them to be a couple. You know, I've, I know that like the episode contract ran out for Chad Michael Murray and he went to Dawson's Creek, but I feel like he probably would have stayed on the show a little longer. And I think in terms of like a writing perspective, I think the Dean versus Tristan was going to be the Dean versus Jess, but maybe in just like kind of a a different way because we would have Tristan at school with Rory. Mm -hmm. Tristan kind of like he would know her in a different way than Dean did, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I say Logan Jr. Because like when we come back to Dean and Logan in season five, that's kind of what it is, but in a very different way. Like it's almost like the reverse where Dean's spending tons of time with Rory back in Stars Hollow and Tristan's spending tons of time with Rory at school. Whereas like Logan is spending tons of time with Rory, you know, like newspaper, whatever it is they're getting themselves into. And Dean doesn't really get to see her that much because he's back in Stars Hollow. That's so true. I never thought of that parallel that like she's got this new very intriguing guy who can while she's with Dean while she's with Dean who can match what's at her level and I is blonde <laughs> he is blonde but Tristan I never felt matched wits at her level like mem- remember when she makes the comment about like Louie I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship and he says who's Louie that's what I would say I think that like a lot of people see Tristan I know there was a ton of fan fictions back in the aughts about Tristan and Logan knowing each other because it was more of like an idea that Logan in high school would have been like Tristan where he was like working out all the kinks and his smooth talking figuring out how like the best way to like get with women and like win them over Tristan was very affected by Rory and I think had he not gone off to military school I think that would have like shown more and I think like maybe Tristan is supposed to grow up outside of military school and become Logan I could see that I always saw them being very parallel characters I just never thought about it like that yeah like I mean I like to think that Logan maybe wasn't so mean to 
the girl that he was trying to win over and yeah he definitely has a softer side to him than Tristan did Tristan clearly had a lot of issues and a lot of rage he needed a therapist yes I could never see Logan getting into a fight the way that uh Tristan and Dean got into the fight at Rory's dance yeah but again 16 versus very true. However old Logan was. Very true. You're right. But I felt like her relationship with Tristan on the whole was such a blip. I never ever saw it yeah. as like a potential couple. Yeah. And furthermore, when Chad Michael Murray is slowly making his exit, Jess is introduced. Mm -hmm. So now we have another quote unquote bad boy entering the picture. So like, I think that may also be why I never gave it a second thought. Yeah. Because we knew why Jess was there. Absolutely. And he comes in a couple episodes before Runaway Little Boy. He comes in mm -hmm. uh, for the first time in the episode Nick and Nora said Nancy. Episode five. That's when he arrives on the scene. Mm -hmm. And the first time that he sees Rory is so interesting to me because he walks in he sees her and i can't tell if he was more enamored by her upon first seeing her or then turning and seeing her books and then being enamored <laughs> by her right he said hey and then he turned around and he said oh, she has books hey hooked on phonics <laughs> but that moment between the two of them when he looks at her and she turns around from her desk and they lock eyes mm -hmm. for me that wasn't like a fireworks moment necessarily no but for me it was more the moment at the end of the episode when they're in the street so and he good. approaches her <laughs> and he hands her the book that she asked if he wanted to read when he was in her bedroom how yes and she hands he hands it back to her and she starts reading the notes in the margins and she says i thought you didn't read much and he says well what is much what is much classic <laughs> One of my favorite lines. And then he goes, good night, Rory. And she goes, good night, Dodger. And I think that moment between the two of them was what sealed the deal. Maybe not for her, because what's interesting is in that episode description on Netflix, which I'm assuming is the same episode description that was in like the WB description and the box sets. Oh, I'd have to look. It says Rory finds herself attracted to another boy. Hmm. And it's so fascinating to me because I never saw it that way. I saw it as like a boy finds himself attracted to Rory. Of course, the the former is a more sensational title. Yeah. It's a more grabby title. And I'm sure in some ways she was intrigued by him, but that was the first moment for me in the street at the end of the night where he's looking at her. She's walking away, making a reference to Oliver Twist. And that was like the defining moment of like, oh, I'm intrigued by this girl. Yeah. Especially because Jess arrives on the scene and like nobody appeals to him. He's like, first it's Luke. Then he opens the door. There are all these townies walking around, children walking around. Then he's invited to dinner. Jackson and Suki are there talking about cheese, Nuts. fruit, meat, whatever. Crazy. He's like, where the <laughs> hell am I? <laughs> this is hell. This is hell. I love that scene. And then he sees Rory. And he's like, okay, this is someone This is someone I could get down with. This is someone who's my age. And then I think by the end of the episode, he's like, oh. Yeah. So that one for me was a little bit more understandable. Like Jess's is a little more realistic. And I think we start to move through more realistic meets of more realistic meat cutes because like Dean's which we didn't really mention before is just well weird. that's because we didn't want to touch on it because it's creepy <laughs> and weird <laughs> I mean though I will I have said before that like if I was 16 and a boy came up to me he's like I've been watching you I noticed you were reading like you're really pretty like whatever whatever I would be so fucking flattered yeah I would like be too. I would have been like oh my god you me you Who, mean me, me? If, like, a boy did that to me now at 29, I was like, why are you standing outside my window? Yeah. Can you please get away from me? I'm going to call the police. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But it's interesting to me that the the meeting of the minds, the meeting of the, the in-person meetings as well, gradually get less juvenile, which I think is really on the writers. Because, obviously, they're starting from a point of, like, 15, 16 years old, and they're moving through high school years, through college years. Well, then I will say to that, so we have Rory meeting Dean, Rory meeting Jess, and if we want to throw Tristan in there, where do you think the difference between Rory as a partner in those relationships? Because we kind of talked about how they all really became smitten with her and we talked a little bit about how Rory was not such a good partner to them after the relationship but where do you think they compare Rory compares to them in terms of being a partner to them in those two relationships like Dean versus Jess when she's in them well we spoke to her as a partner a little bit in our episode about romanticizing Jess because you posed mm -hmm. the question of whether or not Jess was a good partner to Rory and I posed the question of whether or not Rory was a good partner to Jess because 
I do yeah. think that that's sort of the crux of it all when it comes to talking about these relationships. And as we continue to move through the ones that she's in, we'll speak more to that. But specifically when it comes to Dean versus Jess, I feel like people love to scrutinize Rory for the ways in which she betrayed Dean to be with Jess. And then when it comes to the relationship with Jess, people love to put the scrutiny onto Jess because he was not a good boyfriend. He left, you know, all of these things. The hoodlum in the back. <laughs> to the nice young hoodlum in the back. What's interesting is I don't feel like Rory is ever examined when it comes to her relationship with Jess. I feel like people just sort of bypass it and think, oh, Rory left Dean to be with Jess and she was let down because he wasn't a good partner. But in actuality, I don't think she ever shifted her perspective from being with somebody like Dean who was constantly taking care of her, constantly catering to everything she wanted, where, as you said before, she was the central focus in that relationship. Dean wasn't. Yeah. So then she went from that personality to a completely different personality. And in that, I think she just really expected just to instantly understand what she needed and what she wanted because that buildup had been there for so long. She's like, great, once we're together, you'll know what I need, you'll know what I want, and it'll just be like a silly goose time. <laughs> but of course, we don't know this when we're 16, 17 years old. Relationships take work and communication. And we don't know how much communication the two of them had because we never really got a chance to see it. And also, Jess is not a big communicator. It's you know, it's also like would be so boring for them to sit down and like have a conversation about the expectations from her being with Dean versus being with Jess because she didn't have a break at all literally she broke up with Dean and Jess was like I gotta go figure this out in the next episode they were kissing the gypsies heck yeah <laughs> oh what a good kiss and it makes a lot of sense like I don't I think that people are like a little bit too harsh for, about like about Rory sometimes that like a 16 year old to a 17 year old going from one relationship to the next is really not going to have a lot of nuance in the way that she approaches being in a relationship which of makes course. a lot of sense so the fact that she went from like her relationship with Dean where she was very much taken care of to her relationship with Jess kind of expecting that still and not getting the results that she wanted it made a lot of sense and to be fair I think that's what sort of pushed her back into the arms of Dean was that she saw this relationship she had with Jess that she didn't get what she had initially expected from it yeah and thinking like I led with my heart the last time and this is what I got and it's not to say she didn't have feelings for Dean the second time it was just about returning to comfortability which is why she's with him at the end of season four and into season five and also in my opinion a little bit of you know, jealousy is not the word, more possessiveness. I think that when she sees in season four, episode four, Chicken or Beef, when she comes back to Stars Hollow and is blindsided by the fact that Dean and Lindsay are getting married and she's standing underneath that tree watching the two of them come out of the church and she's pouting. She's freaking pouting from a distance. And I'm like, dude, this was your choice. And yes, Dean is making, in my opinion, a very foolish and juvenile decision because he's getting married at the age of 19 to a girl he has barely dated I understand that but like you could tell she just looked so just drenched in in sad not even sadness it was almost drenched in like remorse because he married somebody else it was like a weird form of jealousy where she didn't want it but she didn't want someone else to have it exactly and that's why I call it possessiveness yeah, someone had taken something that wasn't that yeah. wasn't theirs, that was hers. Yeah. Stealing toys on the playground. And she says that at the end of season four. Or is it at, in the first episode? He's my Dean. Yeah. No, it's at the end of season four. Yeah. He's Dean. He's my Dean. He'll always be my Dean. Yeah. He's not your Dean. He's Lindsay's Dean is what yeah. Lola says. And, and so for me, that just, that hit a new level of low because that sort of seemed to me like the reason she entered back into that relationship was because she felt like it belonged to her. And there was like a level of safety that she felt that I think that if we talk about Rory Gilmore in terms of season season four was kind of hard for her because we didn't have really a love interest we had a little bit of Marty who I think it was pretty clear that Marty had some sort of feelings for her I think it was super clear and I have a lot of thoughts feelings and emotions on that because I did not think that she treated him fairly but we'll get into that in a minute yeah and I I feel like that she spent a lot of that time though like where she went on those she went on that date and it didn't really go well she asked that boy out and it didn't really go well and then she kind of gave up well because she's never faced this before like we just said every man who's ever been a love interest quote-unquote has fallen for her like upon seeing her and then she gets to college and there's none of that which 
which I sort of found really refreshing for season four. Yeah. But then, of course, she stumbles into this situation with Dean and then Jess comes back at one point. So we're really just seeing like recycled content at this point and sort of, I don't want to say beating a dead horse, but a little bit because it's like she's moved on from this town. There's no one new yet, unless you want to consider Marty. But Marty was just such a friend at this point. Absolutely. And you could tell that he wanted something more. He was completely friend zoned and understandably so. I do think that there are a lot of people out there that are like, she should have given Marty a chance. I actually disagree. I think that's sometimes men and women are and I say this as When Harry Met Sally is my favorite movie and I know the premise of it is that men and women can't be friends because someone always has feelings and in this case that is true. I do though think that some people are better off as friends and when it came to Marty and Rory despite the fact that Marty had feelings for her they were better off as friends. He was like maybe gonna be her Luke a little bit it kind of like felt but like maybe but when it actually came down to it and like he had feelings for her that she didn't reciprocate he was gone and that to me also felt a little icky how did you feel about that i actually look at that from marty's point of view and i think that that was a really good self boundary that he drew for himself knowing that he was not going to be able to be in a good friendship with this person like i mean he had feelings for her right her actual response to marty telling her he had feelings for her was i like you rory and she said i like like logan Logan. i hated that so much there was no compassion whatsoever she just she was blunt but she was like i like if i was marty in that situation and i had told someone if i had told marty that i like him and he told me that he liked logan I would totally different situation, but I would, I was gonna say there's <laughs> there are a lot of obstacles there, but we we can dissect. Logan's that a time. girl in this situation, I guess. Love that for us. But but I would I would take that. I would say okay, and even if he was like, let's still be friends, I'd be like, okay, great. But I probably would need to remove myself from that friendship, that situation, because I do think it's like a big ask to have someone like pivot their feelings away from this to like fit the relationship that you want from me. Right. And I know that I couldn't give you the kind of relationship that you want. And I think Marty knew that about himself, that he couldn't just be friends with her and that there would be like a little bit of a, like a little bit of a resentment holding onto those feelings growing within him. So his need to like say, okay, I'm done with this. She didn't seem too sad about it. She never talked about him again. Very true. I, I, I agree with that. I'm a little team Marty saying bye. I was, I was with him there. Good, good on your boundaries, Marty. I do think that it's important to set boundaries like that, especially with somebody who, the thing is in that episode, they had already gone through a period of time where they weren't seeing each other. And at this point she's seeing Logan, right? Yeah. And she sees him through the window when she's at the Yale Daily News. Yes, and she goes to the coffee cart, and and this was after earlier in the episode, seeing her when she was with Lorelai, and... He ran the other direction. He ran the other way. So already there's been a rift between the two of them because I don't think he could really handle the friendship and knowing that she didn't reciprocate the feelings. Last time that he saw her was when he was pointing out to her that Logan liked her. In But Not As Cute As Pushkin, yes. Yes. But this moment when, because like Marty hasn't talked to Rory since this moment, it's just like the scene in season one after Rory's dance when Dean is pointing out to Rory that Tristan liked her. And she's like, no, he doesn't. He's so mean to me. And Dean's like, it's because he likes you. And then here in season five, we have Marty being like, Logan likes you. And she's like, no, he doesn't. He's so mean to me. And what is it that Marty says exactly? Stop being so naive is what he said. Yeah, stop being so naive. And it's just like we all felt like Marty and Dean in those moments were like... Specifically Marty, because he was so fed up with it. He was like, stop it. You know that this is true because I agree with him. She knows. She's not a dumb girl. You know that this boy likes you. That's the thing is like, I really don't know if she really thought that Logan didn't like her. Who holds your hand at the bottom of a scaffolding? And says, you did good, Ace. Like, you know? No, he very, in my opinion, very clearly liked her. And I think Marty was just so frustrated. And then she was just being a dum-dum. Totally. And the fact that that had happened twice really just, like, hones in on that, like, all boys like worry and she just can't see it is her self-esteem really low (laughs) no i don't think that that's true maybe it's because she went so long without having so long quote unquote i mean she was 16 when she got into her first relationship and i think that's pretty on brand for a lot of people but like 
maybe because she grew up with Lorelai sort of shielding her from the reality of relationships that she doesn't like that's not the first thing she thinks of or maybe she didn't really have a lot of relationships with guys that were because the first one makes sense to me like dean telling her and her being like what this guy likes me but by oh the time and she's like, in college like what marty's like shut up exactly Then it's further affirmed when, you know, I, I, I felt for Marty in that, like, she really convinces him to come to her place in that episode where she sees him and when she sees him through the window and she asks him to get together when he's at the coffee cart to watch duck soup. And she plans yeah. this entire thing at her, her place in her dorm room. And what I really didn't like, and people were really torn about this because I brought this up on TikTok. Uh What I really did not care for in that episode is that right before Logan knocks on the door and is like, hey, we're going to dinner, come out. Marty and her on the couch and her legs are completely like over his lap. Oh, yeah, they are. She's sitting close to him. She literally has her legs over his lap. Yeah, cuddling. I felt like that was very misleading. Like that's leading him on. And a lot of people commented being like, I disagree. I'm like that with my guy friends, even if it's platonic. And I just don't, I can't get on board. I think that if you know, and this goes back to what we were just discussing, did she know that Marty liked her? Because if she did, I don't know that it was necessarily with malicious intent so much as it was with selfish intent. She did not think about the fact that like this guy liked her. Why do you think he hasn't talked to you? He likes you and you don't reciprocate those feelings. So why are you sitting so close to him with your legs on top of him? I don't know. Like, I want to, like, bring a defense for her. (laughs) Like, just, like, just to have one, just so, like, to, like, for the sake of conversation. But, like, because, like, you know, like, we should never assume that, no, she shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Like, it's, it's just such, like, an odd I like, don't even really know what to say. I like really can't come to her defense. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who are like, I do that with my guy friends. Yeah, and I, there maybe are. she didn't know that Marty liked her. And she just, just in keeping with this, like, you don't know you're beautiful. That's what makes you beautiful idea about herself. Yeah, because I know that there can be friends like that who who can be like that. If there's a deep understanding that like you are just friends and, and physical contact doesn't necessarily mean that that's not the case, but I don't know. And if she had like a long history of that, maybe this is the first like this is the first guy that she's like around who she sees as like a friend. Yeah. Um I don't know. I'm I I'm like kind of torn on it, but like the other side of it being torn, I can't articulate why. Like I just like, yeah, you should be able to do that with people, but Yeah, I want to say that too. I guess we as the audience knowing that Marty had feelings for her very clearly. Yeah. It's hard to not feel like Rory didn't know that as well. And so then seeing that yeah. was sort of lame. And I will say, I love Logan. I love that episode. But like if Logan came and knocked on my door and I had someone over, I would I'd say no. Like yeah. oh my god, I'd want to go so bad. I would like literally hate the fact that there was someone in my apartment. But doesn't she sort of say no? Doesn't she say like sorry, we're having a movie night? And he was like, "Oh, Marty, yeah, why don't you come too?" And like Marty is the one who sort of like, "Yeah, no, we can go." Like I feel like she did try to say no. Yeah, but she clearly wanted to. Of he course, was like, "You want to go." Of course, yeah. But I, I think that I very clearly have been like, no, but like, let's, let's do something later, at least for me. Cause it just, I mean, that would have been boring. It would have been boring to watch Rory and Marty continue to sit there and not go on this date with Logan. So glad she went. This is what brought everything to a head where Marty could say like, I have feelings for you. Yeah. And finally get that off his chest. And she was able to say, sorry, I like Logan. And I think that that was really, really pivotal for their friendship or lack thereof that like solidified. Okay. You know, and Marty knew he wasn't stupid. That is literally the most savage moment. I think I think even more so than like Emily roasting Shira at the DAR event is when literally Marty says, I like you. And her first response is, I like Logan. Like, yeah, same girl, but like, that's not how I would go about that. No, we we at least issue the caveat of like, no sensitivity to this friendship. No, no, none whatsoever. So clearly the friendship didn't mean as much to her as we see her express at the coffee cart, but 
I do think that's another testament to Rory being the type of person where she just wants everybody to like her. She doesn't want yeah. anybody to be mad at her. Because in that the beginning of the episode, she waves at him and then he turns and runs away. And then she turns back and she's like, huh, that's really well, weird. It's like you got beef or something yeah. like that. And she didn't even know. How did she not know that they weren't yeah. really talking? Because she doesn't actually really value that relationship. Yeah. Which then I will say we'll come back to the legs being over Marty. Rude. <laughs> Rude, Rory. Totally. And then obviously that opens her up to having this not that that was the crux of her, whether or not she was going to have this relationship with Logan, no. but then we see her evolve into this relationship with Logan. She's already been there with him since Wedding Bell Blues. Right. Since that, like, talk on the dance floor while they're dancing to Moon River. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I love. I know, me um, too. But, like, yeah, that was kind of, like, the moment. Like, it went from being palling around with Logan to, like, I like Logan. Like, yeah, he's going to climb into my window tonight and he's not going to climb out. <laughs> Because if you think climbing into that window was hard. <laughs> and this is a testament to age as well. I, I would say that I felt like the healthiest relationship that Rory had was with Logan. Would you agree? I think so too. I know a lot of people think opposite, that like Logan was like her worst relationship. But I think that the way that Logan is with her in the relationship is a lot more of what we thought Dean was. Where like Logan really does center Rory in a lot of their relationships. and. I would say out of all of them, I think that Rory is the worst partner to Logan out of interesting all of her relationships. Wow. Tell me more. I'm very intrigued by this. Rory as a partner to Logan really starts showing itself more so in season six because I feel like season five is like their courtship, which we don't really get a courtship yeah. with other with like Dean and Jess. A little bit of courtship with, with Dean. A little bit. A little bit. But not, not yeah. too much, yeah. Not like a full season's worth, I feel like. Right. They get together, but I'm a Gilmore. And, but like most of the season has been them trying to like this cat and mouse of are they going to get together? And they ultimately yeah. do. But we really see her as a partner in season six. The crux of it for me is like the same thing that I felt like was the situation where she went up and climbed into Dean's window was in A Vineyard Valentine, which was the Valentine's Day episode, which did not end very happily because it ended with Mitchum Huntsberger literally yelling at Logan. He's telling him that he needs to leave right now, go to London, and what a fucking asshole. Just oh so Oh my god, rude. he was so rude. Yelling in his face. Like, he was like, had no tact whatsoever for the fact that, like, people were in his home. It was so strange. We're not in public, Logan. We're in my house. Like, which fair but sure but also shh, lower your voice yeah and so he makes him leave and i honestly think that's the first time that lorelei's like wow maybe you're not as awful as i thought or maybe i can see why like, understand why you are the way you are yeah yeah because they had that first moment when she's like if there's anyone who understands like disappointing their parents it's me but there's this moment between Rory and Logan when they go outside where they're standing there when Rory says to him, you're going to be in London for a full year. And you think that she's going to have this like meaningful moment with Logan. And he says, yeah. And she said, so I guess Asia's on the back burner. And like her first thought in this moment is not like your dad literally just screamed in your face. You have to go to London for a year. How is this going to impact you? It's we're not going to get it to go on vacation after graduation. His response is like, I'm not going to think about it. You're not going to think of it. Drive the car back home. We'll talk. Like, this will all be fine. And for the fact that he has to make that emotional shift in that moment of like feeling really embarrassed that like he got yelled at in front of his girlfriend and her family and to have to make that emotional shift to comfort Rory in that moment always just mystifies me that like he is so much better in their relationship than she is can I tell you what I took away from that moment yeah because I took away something so entirely different really yeah when she says that, that to me was her saying to him, like, why were you making these plans with me if you're going to London for a year? She had no idea. He never told her. Like, he doesn't tell her that after he graduates, he has to go to London for a year. That's a huge deal. So I always saw it as like, why are you making plans to go to Asia with me when your dad literally just told 
me, Luke, and Lorelai that you're going to London for a year, which is brand spanking new information to me. Like, that's how I always took that. I never took it as like a, like a selfish, oh, we're not going on vacation now. I took it as like a, this is an example of one of the things we've talked about. You've been talking to me about going to Asia. When were we going to go to Asia if you were gonna have to be in an office in London yeah which is brand new information to me no that's fair I think that I always look at it in terms of like is it the right thing to center your perception of this in that moment Mm. yeah I think I just took the line less literally more figuratively more like oh so I guess like all the plans we've ever made post-graduation are on the back burner including a huge trip to Asia which we've been talking about for however long. I actually think that it makes sense that he hasn't quite brought it up because they've only been back together at this point for like a week and a half. Oh, that's fair. You're right. I forgot about that. Because like, I assume that he probably knew about this like back in October when they ended things at the bar, Um, whether or not you believe that they ended things or not. Mm Mm-hmm. It's neither here nor there at this, but like he probably knew at that in those conversations that he was going to have to do that. Right. But they didn't get back together until like the end of January. You're right. Beginning of February. And now it's Valentine's Day. So I don't think that there was like a big push to be like, hey, you're right. I didn't think about that. What are some of the other ways in which you feel like she was not a good partner to him? One of the worst in my opinion, always will be, is in my favorite episode, Partings, when her and Mitchum have that conversation in the elevator and then she doesn't tell him about it. It's way more interesting to have that conversation in the in the narrative, in the show. But to kind of align yourself with your boyfriend's enemy, I think that even if I like completely agreed with Mitchum Huntsberger, I would never let him know that I did. Oh, yeah. You need to be on, like, be on his team or don't worry, but like, I don't think that I would have let Mitch and Huntsberger, like, tell me how it was. Like, mm. Rory really only stepped up for Logan, I feel like, when he was really hurt. Yeah. And hurt, I mean, like, physically, like, in the hospital and she called Mitch and Huntsberger and, like, laid into him. Yeah. Another moment of Logan showing up for Rory is when he saves the newspaper in it's Friday Night's Alright for Fighting. And she kind of just takes credit for the whole thing, not really accounting for the fact, like, that she became editor of the Yale Daily News and the paper really only got out because he was a Huntsberger. Mm, interesting. I don't think that that's really here nor there in terms of like whether or not she was a good partner, but he really did just let her take full credit for doing that. And to be fair, there might not have been a paper that got out. And I don't think he would have wanted credit for that, that the reason that the paper ended up getting out was because he was a mm. Huntsberger. But I just think that that's interesting is like she really, when it came time for her to become the editor of the Yale Daily News... She got the credit for getting the paper out and, you know, and there wasn't really acknowledgement for Logan. Would it have been interesting for it to be there? I don't know, but it wasn't. I also think in general, just the entire way that their relationship ended at the end of season seven. And I know you don't really like to acknowledge season seven as much as possible, especially because of that plot point. But but then in the revival, it's very clear that Rory... We don't even have to talk about why Rory was a bad partner to Paul. We all know. Everybody, everybody on board? Everybody know? We don't have to list the reasons. Who? Who is Paul? Um, but, you know, to that end. Another moment of, like, Paul stayed with her for a very long another time. Another moment of romanticizing Rory Gilmore to a T. But I think that when it comes to her relationship with Logan, the way they ended in season seven and then through the revival, it's very clear that, or at least, actually, maybe it's not clear, and you can pose, you can answer this question for me. Do you feel like if Rory said, I want to be with you, Logan would have dropped everything to be with her? Yeah, because I'm team Logan. Right, but I just mean that, like, in, in from a writer's perspective, from a story perspective, my sweet, sweet friend. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that he would have? I do. I think so, yeah. Beyond just being team Logan, which is, like, hard to separate from my blood and DNA. Um which is, I do like 100% think that, like the undertone there, that he would be with her, that he kept coming back to her. Like, I think that the revival really is the best example of why Logan was a much better partner to Rory. And maybe Rory just had really firm boundaries with him, but did not apply them to herself. Because how many times did she call Logan, share her like personal drama, what was going on with her mom, the things that were going on in her life, and need him? Very clearly they were having a physical affair. And very clearly from Rory's 
aside, they were having an emotional affair because she was calling him whenever things, whenever she got down about something. But the moment that he started mentioning things that were going on in his life, she didn't want to know. She didn't want to hear anything about it. She didn't want to return the same emotional support that he was providing to her. She really only wanted to be the girl waiting at the hotel while at the same time she didn't want to be waiting at the hotel. She wanted to be at his and house. she was like upset that Odette had moved in. Remember that moment? That phone yeah. call? She's moved in. I was like, ew, Rory. Yeah, she's moved in. She's his fiance. They're getting married. What? And this is not new information to you, nor is this a new situation. You watched Dean do it. Stop it. And they're doing it. Their situation is way more dramatic. She's literally flying to London. She apparently doesn't have any money, but she can go get fucked by Logan. Oh, dang. She she said it. She said it. Well, I think Logan's flying her out there, to be fair. Do you I don't think know. That? That's, that's the assumption I'm making because he's got money, honey. That's fair. He totally could be flying her out there. But the fact of it is she is requiring so much from him. I agree. And doesn't really take into account the fact that that's probably taking a toll on him. And then he literally flew over there and orchestrated this life whole and death brigade. life and death brigade yeah. for her because he knew she was like in a bad place yeah. and she never would have done that for him. No. But that's the thing. Why... Rory keeps needing saving. Like when, at the end, when he says, uh, she was like, you ever get tired of saving me? And the fall episode of the revival, and he says, you you never needed saving. Yes, she did. She did. So many times. Or maybe she didn't necessarily need it, but she craved it from her relationships. And she accepted it. And why do you think that is? Like, where did that start? Well, who in her life is the person that keeps needing saving well it's interesting that you pose that question because i think a lot of people when it comes to rory gilmore they love to attribute her faults to her mom to lorelei right lorelei raised her lorelei and and lorelei leads us to that like we're led to water by lorelei's character in the first episode where she goes after all you're me yeah we are led to believe that rory's tendencies and relationships are because of her mom yeah and the way that she acts on men but the reality is she never really sees that. She never ever is is really directly exposed to that until we meet her in, you know, in, in the pilot. Yeah. Everything before that, based on what we're told by the characters, is that Lorelai never brought men home. Before Max, she was like, I never do this. And he's like, never? She goes, never, ever. <laughs> I never, ever do this. Yeah. And the reality is... I have never really thought that the reason that Rory has issues within her relationships is mostly attributed to her mom. Because in these relationships, is she really exhibiting the same tendencies that her mom does in relationships? I guess you could say maybe in season one when Lorelai runs away from Max because of the way she feels about him, Mm -hmm. Rory runs away from Dean. That's the only time I think, personally, and you know, we can have another conversation about this that I feel like their relationships are parallel in that way. But when it comes to her relationships, I feel like she is way more like her dad. She is Christopher. In that situation, like the daughter of those two people would be impacted by their relationship more so than anything that like, maybe I think that people get too deep of like this relationship of Lorelai's is like this relationship of Rory's when really she's being more informed by the relationship of her parents Mm. than anything of like how her mom is to her dad and how her dad shows up for her mom rather than like the individual relationships that Lorelai is having. And we forget to remember that because this is a show about primarily mother-daughter relationships. It's a mother-daughter thing, like mother, like daughter. When in actuality, we never really examine the relationships between the fathers and daughters on this show. We're so fixated on mothers and daughters, which is so important, and I'm glad. I mean, hell yeah, let's talk about women and the relationships we have with them. But I think that people love to also say that Rory has daddy issues. And I hate that term so much because she does, but let's talk about why. She does. Because when people say daddy issues, I think they really heavily implicate that that is on the girl. That that is on the girl who has the daddy issues. Like, oh, she has daddy issues. Okay, why does she have them? And not on the daddy that created the issues. Yeah, hello, let's talk about the daddy. He's left so many times. And in season one, and Christopher returned, she is like, Rory's always been available to you. As if she's like something that, like a DVD set that they're trading back and forth and not someone that he needs to show up for. 
I, I, I feel like that that the way that he interacts with Lorelai is really what's going to impact her relationships the most, which we actually hear her kind of say in season one when she when Dean says, yeah. I love you, where she says, look at my yeah. mom. And I think that when we see that, we really look to the fact of like, look at my mom and her relationship with yeah. my dad. And to bring it back to what you were saying about Rory needing saving, doesn't Christopher say something similar to Lorelai? Yeah, when when Sherry leaves to go to Paris and Chris is having a meltdown of like, what is he going to do with this daughter? And they have this moment of, in season five, of Christopher is now having to take on the role of the single parent. And he's like, how am I going to do this? And she's like, I did it. You're just going to, if I couldn't have done it, you would have stepped in and you would have done it and you're just going to make it work. And he said, do you ever get tired of being my cheerleader or something along those lines? Like, do you ever get tired of saving me? was like the same sentiment that Rory had for Logan of Lorelai keeps stepping in and being Chris's rescuer, regardless of what happens to them. They're very much each other's like ride or die until season seven, because she's always there for him. She always shows up. She always defends him too. And regardless of what happened in season five, and when Chris shows back up in season six, Lorelai is really willing to accept this money from him and kind of let bygones be bygones, even though the bygones were to break her up with her boyfriend yeah i mean there's a little bit of a different stroke there because she has to have him in her life he will always be in her life because of rory yeah but again i i think this sort of all boils down to not really necessarily examining the relationships between fathers and daughters on the show and i'm not just talking about rory's relationship with christopher but lorelei's relationship with richard and also you know on the topic of of men being enamored by rory gilmore all of the adult men who meet her are enamored by her we've got luke we've got richard we've got max medina we've got all of these men who are like essentially quote-unquote father figures in her life who seem to be very taken by her and yet where is her dad i will say that max i think is a little bit of a different situation i think that max is like not using her that's like absolutely wrong word but he's kind of taken to her because of her relationship to Lorelai I think whereas Luke I think sees her as you know this like as he says angel on top of the Christmas tree and just needs Mm. to protect her Richard spends one afternoon golfing with her after he didn't really want to have much to do with her because I don't think he really had any interest in getting to know her and then he spends one afternoon golfing with her and suddenly she's the apple of his eye and would do anything for her including letting her drop out of Yale and move into his house over the word but of his daughter. But I do think that Rory's presence in the lives of these men have, with the exception of Max Medina, in regards to more Richard and Luke, sort of informed the way that they behave with their own daughters. Like, we watch Richard and Lorelai's relationship evolve in a very, very interesting way. And then when April comes on the scene, we watch luke sort of try to cater all of the things that he learned from from being a father figure type to rory to april and then i guess we sort of get a glimpse into chris and Gigi. oh chris and Gigi. i really think it's important to talk about the father-daughter relationships on the show in the same way that we examine the mother-daughter relationships on the show and we'll have more to say on that next episode So make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on now because we will be coming out with an episode at least every Tuesday as we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast where there'll also be more to see. Do-do-do.